the epistle to the Romans, chapter 13, starting at verse 11, you will find these words. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Uh, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I, I want to talk to you saints for a few moments from the thought we got to wake up. We got to wake up. Amen. The Apostle Paul, in this letter to the Romans, was laboring uh, as it relates to teaching the, the Roman uh, church about uh, the mysteries of God. Uh, the book of Romans, amen, spends, uh, Paul spends what would we call 11 chapters telling the church at Rome all of the things that God has done. And then from chapters 12 through chapter 16, Paul then encourages the saints, amen, to respond appropriately to what has been given to them by God. Starting in the 12th chapter, he says that I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable, holy unto God, which is a reasonable or spiritual service. God is not requiring of us more than we can handle. But he is requiring us to be better than what we are. Amen. I want to let you know that there is a process by which God has put into the life of the believer called sanctification. It, it, it is a component of salvation that takes us from where we are to where we need to be. We will spend our life in this process chipping away at sin in our lives and, and being shaped and being made and molded into the image of the Father's darling Son, Jesus Christ. In that in that day of presentation that we will be like him, the Bible says. And so Paul is, is contending with the Roman church in which he had never met in person but he loved from a distance. I want you to know that you can love some folks you ain't never met before. 
Amen. You can love some folks. Amen. You can pray for folks. You can, you can try to encourage folks that you've never met before. Amen. There are folks today, amen, who, who write letters to those who are imprisoned. Amen. There are those who do ministry, amen, from afar and make sure that others are there to get the job done. Our association, amen, there are some who have not been to some of the most distant places on the globe but have given out of their own resources to make sure that they had an agent that could go there and try to make a difference. You can love some folks that you've never seen before. And I believe God is calling the church today to operate in those modes. He's operating with us from a local perspective with those who we'll know one to the other, but also requiring us also to reach out through our associations and other connections to help those who are far away. Every local church is a local church, but can also be global as well. We live in a time today that we have technological advances that make this a lot easier than it once was. And so we must, as Paul says, redeem the time. We look at our text and we have to ask the question, well, what time is it? The time is now. The time is not next month, next year. It's right now while the blood is running warm in your veins. You don't know how much longer you don't have. You don't know if you will finish this day. Amen. So you must make sure that you make your mind up right now to be part of the mission and the, 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 the motion that God wants us to be in. So Paul is contending with the Roman church. He's saying and he says, and do this knowing that the time now is high time to awake out of sleep. It is time to wake up. We've been asleep too long. See, the Christian church is a sleeping giant. We have gotten lulled into a false sense of security as it relates to how we ought to operate. But I'm here to let us know today that 1970s church won't work in 2017. We need to wake up. The way people and things and communities saw church in that day is different from it is today. There needs to be new methods but not changing the, me the message. Amen. We, we've got to operate differently today. Amen. There are so many people in this postmodern world that we live in don't know nothing about church. But most of us grew up in a time, amen, when church was central to everything. Even those who weren't going to church, they were always talking about the good Lord. But today we've got more atheists and more agnostics than we've ever had before. We've got more strange and abhorrent doctrines, amen, in our communities. We've got so many things happening. We've got the social media background that's constantly influencing. We've got many more things going on than we did back then. And so now we must wake up to the realities that things have changed. But it's still high time, amen, to wake up out of sleep. It's high time to wake up out of having our heads nodded down, amen, and lift up and start being aware of what's going on in the world. I saw on uh, Facebook or somewhere I was looking and there, there was a young person on there talking about staying woke. I, I like that. Stay woke. 
Don't go to sleep. Don't think everything is going to turn out all right if we just stand around and, 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 and do nothing. If we just keep continuing in the way that we do in the rituals and the ceremonies that we carry on, that that's going to be enough for the time which we live. No, we're going to have to be creative. Amen. We're going to have to reach out beyond our comfort zone and do some things differently than the way we've done it before. Because remember, this is not 2017, not 1971. Amen. Things have changed. And that's one of the hardest challenges that we deal with today in the church is getting out of that place of what used to be and to get into what is. See, used to be is good, amen, but we're living in what is. There is generations today that need to be touched and they're going to have to be communicated with and dealt with in a way that we did not have to deal with in times past. Things have changed. But yet and still, we got to wake up. It's high time, amen, as the apostle said. It is just as relevant today as it was in Paul's day. Amen. It's just as relevant today that we got to wake up out of sleep. Amen. Because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Paul is contending and letting us know that now the third part of our salvation is closer than when we first believed. There's coming a day when the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. And they that remain shall be caught up in the air. Well, now it's too late to do ministry. Amen. Because now the day has come. He's saying our salvation is closer. Regardless of whether or not we die before Jesus comes back. But in any case, we've got an issue here because we have gone to sleep. Amen. We have gotten ourselves into a mode that we care more about our activities of daily life than the mission of God. It's time to wake up and get up out of sleep. Because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Whether we go to the grave first or whether we hear the trumpet sound, it's still closer than when we first believed. And we know not the day nor the hour that the Lord Jesus is coming back. We, we, we take for granted this, this life called Christian. We, we take it as a, a life that we live, but we don't adhere to or adhere to the responsibility that comes with it. God expects something out of his children. Amen. And the Bible says in a place, amen, as I was reading this morning, amen, in the 18th chapter of Luke, that the Lord says, and who will he find faithful when he returns? That's a big question, amen, in the household of God. Who will he find faithful doing the work that he has commanded us to do? Who will he find faithful that's on the road of working and trying to witness to those who are lost? Who will he find doing more than just a, a ritualistic routine, but actually making a difference in the world. It is God himself who gave the first command to the first human to be fruitful and multiply. God is looking for folks, amen, that's going to make two out of one. 
to make four out of two and five out of ten or ten out of five. Amen. It is out of that parable of the talents that the Lord allows us to know that he doesn't want us to at the end of our lives come and say, here I am, Lord. I kept myself. No, he calls that a wicked servant. He wants you to come to him in that day and say, look, Here's who else that has been influenced by me. Look, here's who else I shared the the gospel with. Here's who else that I gave water when they were thirsty and food when they were hungry. He wants to know that you've done something with the talents that he's given. We got to wake up. Because our salvation is closer than when we first believed. We look at the text. He says the night is far spent. Uh, The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Paul is saying the time is winding up. Amen. Night's been going on a while now, but day is at hand. He's saying it's time now to take off that old wicked way, amen, and put on the armor of light. He's saying, you know, you, you've been dibbling and dabbling. You've been, you've been dancing with wolves, but now it's time to put down the wolves. Stop dancing over there and take off those dirty clothes. Take off those dirty clothes of immorality and, and deception. Take off those clothes of selfishness and put on the armor of light. Put on salvation, put on righteousness, put on truth, put on the peace that shards our feet as the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put on the armor of light. Amen. Take off those dirty clothes. Stop dancing with the wolves. Amen. And start witnessing and working for the Lord. Amen. We look at our text and he says, we got to get them works of darkness and put them down. Amen. And put on the armor of light. I I want you to know that they don't mix either. If you notice in the text, you got to put something off. You got to cast something off before you can put something on. Too many of us are trying to wear both outfits. At the same time, we're trying to put on the armor of light with dirty clothes on. That, that's not a good situation. It, it don't smell well. It don't look well. And most of all, it don't smell or look well in the sight of the Lord. See, too many times we're trying to do underhanded deeds and we're trying to trick and do trickery. But at the same time, we're saying, bless the Lord. Glory to his name and we're trying to show up and look good at church but not live right during the week. No, God is not interested in that. He's interested in you casting off the darkness and putting on the light. The text goes on to say, Paul says, let us walk properly as it is in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness, and lust, not in strife and envy. See, the problem even for the church at that time is that he had to address, amen, improper walking. He had to address these issues that 
so easily beset us today in the modern day church. He had to deal with the issues of the day. Amen. He said, not in revelry and drunkenness. See, folk are still doing the sexual immoral things within the church. Amen. You don't have to go that far. Amen. But do a search on Google. Amen. And find news articles here and there about church folk. Amen. Who is doing sexually immoral things. You don't have to go that far to find drunken Christians, amen, who drinking and, and drinking strong drink, amen. You don't have to go that far. But let us wake up and put down the things of darkness, amen, and put on the armor of light. But not only that, when you look in the text, amen, there's lewdness and lust, amen. There's all kinds of, of, of course, gesturing and, and activity that do not belong in the household of faith. Amen. There are things that go on. There are, there are uh, uh, implications and insinuations that are made that should not be in the house of the Lord. But then there are lusts, not only sexual lusts, but there are lusts for things, material things of the world. There are, there are leaders who are, are, are lusting after materialistic things, houses and cars and airplanes and all of this. And they're fleecing the flock in order to do so. Paul says, no, 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 uh-uh. Let us walk properly. That's improper walking. So we must be careful to guard our hearts in the Lord because we are the ambassadors, the representatives of God, amen. And we must learn how to walk right. We can so easily get so caught up in running after this thing or that thing that the things of God get shelved, they get put away. And before we know it, all of our days are full of things chasing after the wind. Amen. And not looking at the things that have everlasting value. Because I want to remind us that it's only what you do for Christ that will last. Oh, there's a lot of things we do that are good. But is it for Christ? We got to make sure that in our schedule, somewhere in a day or in a week, we got Christ working. We got some ministry working. We got some stuff that's going to count not only today, but also for eternity. We got to wake up. Amen. We look at our text and we see, oh, God forbid, we see uh, not in strife and in envy. In strife and envy in the church. The people who say that they have all things in Jesus Christ. It is the same folks, amen, as we've been studying, amen, in our, in our Bible study that have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It's them same folks. It's us that are still uh, having strife. Strife meaning division over one thing or another. Some petty thing that doesn't matter. Amen. It don't matter what it is. If it's dividing us as believers, it's petty and it really don't matter. But yet, the results of it does matter. It does matter when I'm not talking to my brother. 
It does matter when I'm not talking to my sister. It does matter when I cannot come to church and know that my brother or my sister has my back. That's a problem. It's a problem when it's time to go to work for the Lord and because of strife, if one person joins the band, somebody else gets off. Oh, it's petty things that cause this, but the results of it does matter. Because it matters for time and eternity. Because you don't know how God is going to use you and somebody else to affect somebody's life. You don't know that there are certain things that you can't do by yourself. There are certain things that that one person and another person have to do together because they each have been given unique gifts and ability and history and desire that when that comes together, it makes a beautiful thing, amen, by which somebody can be attracted to and give their life to the Lord. But if we're divided, amen, the eye is over there and the foot is over there, then where is the completed body that can go forward and do the things that God wants it to do? That immobilizes the church. Because remember that the church is God's body. Amen. There's no lone rangers in this. Amen. We are many members of one body. Amen. Looking at our text, As I begin to come to a close, the apostle says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its love. Once again, we have been commanded by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul to put on. This time it's to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I am reminded when I see these three words together that Jesus cannot be your Savior unless he's also your Lord. And it is Jesus Christ, it is the Messiah, it is the anointed one who has fulfilled all things in himself that we could be one with one another and that we could be unified and be those who are mobilized to reach those who know not the Savior. But in order to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to take something off. We've got to take off our division. We've got to take off our lack of love for one another. And the text says we've got to take off our envy. Now why is it that in the church one believer can envy another? We all have the same blessings from the Lord. Yeah, this person may have this gift and you have another, but all are one in Christ. And I found out a long time ago that God has so much in store for us that we don't have room enough to receive it in the first place. So why are we envious over our brother or our sister? Envy, that green-eyed monster that causes us 
to cut off our own nose despite our face because we do not want somebody else to have something that might bless them. We find ourselves setting up traps and we find ourselves making sure that somebody else fails because we don't want them to succeed as what we think is better than us. But what is success? Amen in the household of God. If you are blessed and you are elevated, then I'm elevated too. Because we're all part of one body. Never forget, amen, that we are all one. And when one grows and one gets great success, we ought to be there high-fiving one another and being thankful to the Lord for the blessings of one of our members, amen. And not be thinking secretly, oh, oh they, I don't understand why they got that. That should have been me. Well, maybe not. It shouldn't have been you. If it was for you, it would have been given to you. The Lord is not uh, caught off guard by anything that happens in this world. He knows what you can handle and what you cannot. It might be that you ain't ready to handle something at the level that somebody else is. But what you must do is you must get behind your brother or sister and encourage them. Because with great reward comes great responsibility. That's the part we always forget. Amen. When you get elevated to the next level, that comes with great responsibility. The higher you go, the harder the devil comes. Amen. Amen. So saints of God, amen. I want us to remember, amen, that we can't mix and mingle. We can't mix darkness with the light. We have to take off the darkness and put on the light. And we need to put on the Lord Jesus. The book of Philippians lets us know that we ought to let this mind be in us. That was also in Christ Jesus. That he counted it not robbery to be equal with God. But he became of no reputation. And he took on the form of a servant. And he was obedient even unto death. Unto the death of the cross. We've got to stop looking at what somebody else has. And look at what the Lord has given us. Make sure that we don't try to grasp after one thing or another. But handle that which the Lord has given you and me. Walk in what the Lord has given because he has made a pathway to your destination. And along the way, there are good works that you are equipped to do. But you got to keep your mind on the prize, on the high calling of Almighty God. Because one of these days, in a twinkling of an eye, one of these days, he's coming back. And the question is, who will he find faithful? Will you be faithful unto that which God has given you? To reach little boys and little girls, men and women with the good news of Jesus Christ. To learn how to love your brothers and your sisters. To learn how to pray for one another. To learn how to love one another, whether it's in season or out of season. 
mission-minded as it relates to the thing of God. To wake up out of sleep, for the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Praise the name of the Lord, saints of God. Don't quit doing the work that's been set before you. Go ye therefore into all the world, teaching them to observe the things that Jesus has commanded us. Baptizing in the name of the Father, baptizing in the name of the Son, baptizing in the name of the Holy Spirit, for there are three in one. I don't know about you today, but when my master calls my name, I want to be found faithful in a few things so that I can be made ruler over many. In that day, in the howdy howdy, and never goodbye. Praise the name of the Lord, because he worthy to be praised. Keep on running the race that's been set before you. It is a race of endurance, but running to win. And one of these days, the Lord is coming with a crown. A crown of righteousness for you and for me. Know that this God is sure to do if you stay faithful unto him. God bless you and God keep you. Is my prayer. Amen. The doors of the church are open. If you don't know the Lord Jesus in the pardon of your sins, right now is the time to make sure your business is fixed. Right now is the time to tell the Lord all about it. Amen. Tell the Lord about being a sinner in need of a Savior. Asking the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart. It is at this time right now that you can get that fixed. That your eternal destination can be made sure. Give your life to Jesus today. And I guarantee you will not regret it. Amen. Come unto Your life, Pray.